0: Well, hello, my dears. I'm Kate Bowler, and this is a special episode of Everything Happens. Because our team is practicing social distancing during this pandemic, we couldn't get into our usual studio. So the sound is going to be a little less than perfect, and the episode a little different than you're used to. But in the midst of so much uncertainty, I thought it might just be nice to be together. We're all feeling a bit fragile. You might be immunocompromised, or part of a more vulnerable population, or love someone who is. Maybe you're feeling a lot of financial fear as a small business owner or an hourly employee, or you don't know if you'll have your job for much longer. Or maybe this is your first experience with feeling the bottom drop out. So if you're new to constant fear, I just wanted to say I'm so sorry and welcome. Welcome. And if you are already here, I'm so, so sorry. And thank you for your service. Fear is like a landscape, like a wilderness. And there aren't many sign markers. And I must have missed the free map stand at the entrance. But as we walk this uncertain path, I wanted to introduce you to some of the people that I turn to when I feel afraid. Today, I'll be talking to four of my favorite people, comedian Joel McHale preaching powerhouse, Beth Moore, the person who housed my body for the greater part of a year, my mom, and this next lovely voice here. You're about to hear from my friend, Nora McInerney. She is tall and from Minnesota and the host of a perfect podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking, which I would highly recommend binge listening to because she loves everyone and you can hear it in her voice. She is no stranger to having her life completely dismantled. In the course of six weeks, she lost her husband, Aaron, her dad, and her unborn baby. The other day, I saw this beautiful sign that Nora has in her hallway, a thing that her late husband, Aaron, said, even in hospice. It said, it's going to be okay. So I thought I'd give her a call and talk about how she thinks about being okay. Also, can I just say before you start listening that my accent goes way Canadian in this vocal? call? <laughs> Sorry. It's just how I get under stress. Okay, here's Nora. So what are you, what's, uh, oh, what are you scared of? What's going on with you? I hope it's okay that when I think about just like
1: really terrible stuff, I just think you nothing know, about you. If you didn't think of me, I would be like, wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> Who were we to each other? Wow, yeah. <laughs> hmm. huh. Huh,
0: okay. Okay. I uh, I think a lot of people like this is their this is like their first go round with all of the awful, and uh, and like but you're like a you're a pro like for for anyone who might not know you're like a you're a ninja with with dealing with terrible at this point.
1: Um. So I've been I was thinking about this last night because I. I was like, God, why am I being so not chill, but just very like, yeah. um, um, I guess like accepting of whatever the situation is, and I think that it's because I, I've already had that veil lifted for me once, and it never quite goes back to being the same. Some of you have never had your lives fall apart, and it shows. And some of you, (laughs) 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 but this is revealing like this v- more vast uncertainty that some of us um, you know uh, have been sort of blind to because of privilege or because of sort of a willful ignorance and other people have have in some ways um, obfuscated for us because they're villains <laughs> and, <laughs> because they are villains and we all know that our bodies are so dumb and and brilliant and and fragile and Yeah, And we know that about these systems that we have in place, like we know that they're just run by people, right? So they can't be perfect and they can't, but just seeing that fragility of, of like, of our system at large is so scary for people. And I think it's scary for Americans and it's scary for, you know, uh, white Americans and it's scary for rich white Americans, because like, it's just a place they haven't had to live before. Yeah. And, yeah. and some of us have dipped into that because of diagnoses and because of, and because of tragedy. And, and, and if you have, like you, are, I don't know, it's almost like the rest of the world is being brought up to your temperature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lovely image. It's true. And, and you're like, oh, okay. So like, this is when I first got here, it did burn. But now, like, you know, it just, it just. Yeah,
0: yeah. And also the temperature describing is a fever. And so it's
1: like, oh, everyone everyone describing a fever with a hacking cough. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's true.
0: I know this is like an unbelievably, it just reminded me when you said that, like, sometimes we just expect systems to work when we're in positions of privilege. And it just reminds me of an an argument I had a really long time ago uh, with one of my friends who, um had, had, had a couple kids and, um, and was like absolutely running herself ragged, running errands. And I was like, okay, well just walk me through like, like, like how hard is it to have your constellation? Like what's like, just talk to me about your world. Like what needs to happen? So she was describing like, and then I work all day and then I've got, you know, I take care of these kids and I teach them all these things and then they go to bed and then I run out and get groceries and I do all these errands. And I was like, whoa, wait, why don't you take your kids out to ever to run errands? And they said, she said, well, I don't think that'd be fair to them. And I was like, okay, but like what you're describing is a world in which like Micah will wake up every morning, open the fridge and imagine that milk appeared there overnight. <laughs> like there were all, and that's sort of how I felt when I didn't realize we're all in terms of groceries and resources and supplies, like we're all mica we're just imagining right. our milk appears in the fridge and like all the the wheel turns and all our sustenance is provided and like other yeah. people knew that that wasn't true other like, people knew it can be very surprising
1: yeah that that our our garbage gets picked up every friday and i think and that and that all these all these things are just sort of in place and like i remember Aaron being diagnosed and just being like oh no we'll take something else you know like we'll we'll <laughs> Like now, like now Do you have we'll a have...
0: common call for a flu available for us because yeah. we'll have that yeah. instead.
1: Thanks. Yeah. We don't want this. And that's the thing no. we all, we all don't want whatever this is. And also I felt this like huge yeah. need for certainty. We all want certainty. The other day I was in a group of adults and we all kept going, I mean, those close schools, right? Right. But like, but this will happen. Right. But then yeah. this will happen. Right. We all kept saying, right, right to each other as if, as if, there was an absolute answer and if one of us would have said yes then then we could have all been like okay so then okay so then they'll do this and then we'll and then we'll know this and we actually know nothing and yeah and and that's kind of a weird place to be but it can also kind of be a um like an okay place to be in some really crappy ways and especially because the fear that I have is is not for me or my family, really. I, I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, it'll, it'll be okay. Like, I've also, I've been through, you know, one yeah. one big thing. So, like, what's the worst? What's the worst that could happen? I've had nothing yeah. already. Yeah. Like,
2: I've oh, had, I've already,
1: like oh. we've already been there. Yeah. Um, but that there are so many other people who, yeah. the reason that, that I ended up okay with Aaron, um, that we did not lose everything, although we did lose one house, but like, what's one house? Um, I'm just, I'm kidding. It actually sucked, but like, but is <laughs> that we, I, I knew we would never truly have nothing because we had a network mm-hmm. of people. We had parents, we had parents who could figure it out with us and, and parents who had more resources than us and, and who could, and, and when Aaron died, like a whole group of people showed up with Ten dollars, twenty dollars, and that paid for Aaron's funeral, paid a bunch of our medical bills, let me pay my mortgage while I was having a mental breakdown, and I know from life and from working with Still Kicking and um, this you know organization that I have um, that most people don't, and most Americans don't have five hundred dollars saved for an emergency because we are all living so close to this edge. This is going to hurt some people so much and it will minorly inconvenience the rest of us and what I'm experiencing right now is a very minor inconvenience because
0: like I think that's I think that's exactly the thing that's making my heart ache right now is like I'm I feel like like I've been cracked open before and Mm -hmm. I know that this is not going to be the thing that breaks me but I know it will be the thing that breaks so many other people.
1: Oh my God. That's it. Please edit um, everything I said to just be what you said. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's it. It's like, it's there, there are people all over for whom this is. This is their moment in the hospital where they're told, yes. you know, uh, there's, there's nothing you can do. This is the moment where they're like, Oh my God, I did not realize that uh, brain surgery cost as much as our house. <laughs> um, I would have liked to explore other price options. Oh, love. Yeah. It's the
0: feeling of watching the ripple effect. Like you're just watching all the dominoes of sad and, and like, that's, it's a very, uh-huh. it's a very intense sadness because you know, it's structural and you know, it's mm-hmm. personal at the same time. And like both of us have gotten medical bills. We can't pay. both of us have gotten like we've gotten the stuff in the mail that comes after so like first comes the pain and then comes the paperwork right and there's all these people that you know like that the that like everyone will be paying more than they
1: more than they can for for longer than they can i've got this uh pen pal ship going on with a college friend that i used to dance on the bar with who's now a cloistered nun Um, shut up I was, I was writing to her about like how I don't know how to pray (laughs) and how I'm like, I I do feel like closer to God than I have before. But even then I'm just like, Oh God, I don't know. Um, And she wrote, I'm sure you encountered much self-sacrifice with Aaron, your dad. And as a mother, is it fun? Of course not. It hurts, but it can be used as an offering to God. The pain can be a prayer. Even if one does not have the ability to formulate words. The pain one endures can also help others, both through prayer and understanding. I think of it this way. What you went through together and what you went through after Aaron's death has been intense pain and grief. Can you see today how your lived experience has enabled you to open your heart with great empathy to the suffering of others? The gift is born of all that pain and all the tears is the gift to see the suffering of others. It doesn't mean the pain goes away, but rather it becomes a purpose. Like, oh wow, the pain can be a prayer. Oh shit. Like maybe Yes. <laughs> I know we both um
0: would refuse uh to let anybody try to make our pain unnecessarily meaningful and we both agree. But totally. I yep. do love the fact that like what your friend is like calling us all to is like s is, is a softened heart and an increased sense of purpose. And that's that is gorgeous, especially because yeah. it it shows us it shows us who to love. And that's the big question I hear you saying mm. right now is like, yes, we're all going to be in pain, but like some people more than others. So like, God, show mm. us who to love. Like, show us who to love right now.
1: Oh, God, I'm writing that down.
0: Nora, you're my favorite.
1: Thanks so much for doing this. <laughs> I love you I'm so much. Taking, I'm taking notes. <laughs> no, I, I took so- several notes. I took several notes. <laughs> All right, um bye, you're wonderful. Thank you everybody
0: Isn't she wonderful? She just gets it. The pain that comes from making us notice the people around us and softens our beating hearts. But that kind of got me thinking, what if we don't have the words to pray? Well, I only have one answer to that, and it's my mom. For some reason, my mom always knows what to pray, even though she is a very nervous Nellie, or maybe because she's a very nervous Nellie. But she knows how to talk about fear. Okay, here she is. Okay, hey mom, thanks for letting me call you.
2: (laughs) You're welcome.
0: I've been thinking of you so much uh, during this uh, Corona madness uh, in part because um, sometimes when I think about fear, I think about you. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Uh, Growing up, I would say you were one of the more uh, cautious moms on the block. Uh, Does that sound right to you?
2: (laughs) It sounds absolutely accurate.
0: But like safety mom wise, on a scale of one to safety mom, like where would you rate yourself? (laughs)
2: 11.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I will. That's the safest number, probably. It's 11. As a fear-conscious mom, what kinds of stuff would you have already, would have already come naturally to you?
2: Well, thinking ahead to the worst possible outcome, planning in advance before (laughs) anyone is woken up in the morning, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) just ensuring that I've um, run ahead and made sure that you had your lunch and not... A bag of mushrooms. But if you did get a bag of mushrooms (laughs) instead of your lunch, then I I got to the school um, before your lunchtime. Did that actually happen? It happened. Yes.
0: Wait, who got a bag of mushrooms? Maria. (laughs) Maria, (laughs) the little one. The youngest always gets a bag of mushrooms. Well, it makes sense. Mushrooms breathe really well in a brown paper bag. It's
2: true, especially in a locker.
0: I'm guessing that since uh, fear has been a pretty constant companion uh, to you and uh, to me, I uh, wonder if you might have any good advice for living with that uh, heightened sense of vigilance. Yeah.
2: Um, vigilance is just one way of paying attention, it's the broad horizon scan that looks for something at a distance that might. um impinge upon uh life and safety and another way of paying attention is to be able to narrow the focus and look at one thing um and when one is in a state of hypervigilance the whole body um it has a hard time thinking about that narrow focus so what really helps is to narrow the focus and think of. One word, and you know, I guess one approach to prayer is the centering prayer, where you repeat a word that it becomes a prayer word that basically expresses your intention toward, toward God, and to focus all those things toward that one word and, and just dampen out the, uh, the other focus. That's a nice image, yeah, going from like
0: horizon,
2: horizon to telescope kind of yeah. vision. Just one little narrow point of light.
0: Um, Do you have any um, words that you used lately that help? Jesus. We're for him, I guess.
2: Yeah, we're on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: I think mine was just like two words for a long time. It was just like, save me, save me, save me. Right. When I was really desperate, I found that actually was that kind of summed everything up.
2: Yeah. Or the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me a sinner, which is a, you know, instead of a word, a phrase that becomes a container for aspiration to uh God for help for safety. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to have to go, but I just uh a couple things. One, wash your hands, mom. <laughs> I know you're a big hand washer. Uh t- <laughs> do uh try not to antagonize dad with too many safety tips just like keep him inside keep the conversations (laughs) to a minimum and um stay safe out there you're uh you're in the old bracket my love
2: i know how did that happen
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right i love you love you
2: i love you honey
0: my mom have you ever heard a person with a more sincere heart I love what she said about managing anxiety as the ability to switch between horizon thinking and telescope thinking. Sometimes you have to scan the horizon to see what to be afraid of, and other times you have to switch it to a single point of focus. And her super simple prayers help her focus her mind and give her body a chance to settle. It's so funny because my mom is very phased, which she manages beautifully. And this next friend is utterly unfazed. My friend Joel is one of those people who seem to feel absolutely nothing in the face of fear. You've probably seen him play Jeff Winger on Community or host the television show The Soup. Joel McHale is one of my favorite people on the planet because he is the king of pep talks, which he would never admit. Also, as a disclaimer, he had previously asked me not to make sympathetic sounds while he talks. And I just like couldn't do it. So enjoy as he goes. Slightly ballistic every time I sound like I care.
3: All right. Fear and trembling. By my favorite author, VC Andrews.
0: Kierkegaard. It's technically
3: Kierkegaard, but No, I think it's VC Andrews.
0: (laughs) No, who's being pretentious? So I one of the Did you say
3: Kierkegaard?
0: It's supposed to be Kierkegaard,
3: technically. Yeah. Oh, where'd you hear that? Yale. So someone during a (laughs) Kierkegaard class went, hey everybody, when you hear some idiot go Kierkegaard they're wrong. They
0: were. Yes, that's exactly what happened. And then
3: they were like, there will be a test on this at the end of the semester. No, it was just
0: like, uh, it was a pretension v. pretension cage match and like one person who spoke Dutch went up against one person with a British accent and it was like unclear which person would win.
3: Damn, that is, ex- that is an exciting, that is as exciting as an MMA fight. And I'm not kidding. Thank
0: uh, you. you are probably one of the most confusing people I know about fear because yes, that's true. At one level you seem to have no fear at all. Like it just got like your, your system got overheated and now it just can't experience fear anymore.
3: It did. I would agree with that. And then when I do fear things, it's very strange. I go, wait a minute, what am I experiencing right now? <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. I feel like the whale in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as it's falling through space, trying to figure out what it is, yeah, uh, yeah. and then it smashes on the rocks. But uh,
0: like, what are yes. some of the terrifying things that you have done in the course of a normal, your normal human life?
3: So I hosted the White House Correspondence Dinner. Thank, Thank you. you. Is this where I pause for clapping during? Yeah, sorry. Training? I
0: can add it just personally if that's helpful.
3: I was terrified. And the moment I stood up to uh, give these jokes after the president had just killed it, just yeah. nailed it, I had this massive dizzy spell. Oh, like but- my whole world. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Uh, I can't mute my a mic at whimpering in the corner of your office. <laughs> and, uh, so I had this dizzy spell and I was like, well, that's new. That's not, yeah. that's a first. And, uh, I find then I got up there, I did all these jokes and, uh, it for, in my mind, and this is, I'll be, believe me, it takes a lot for me to say this. I think it went well, yeah. uh, cause I've never been more prepared. I was so much more prepared for that than I was for fatherhood. and. <laughs> uh, so that moment of great fear, uh, was I was just like, Gee, well, you have no choice here. So, so after that, I have never since then walked on stage and ever had a, a shred of nerves.
0: Huh i I find your um, like immunity, I guess, to fear sort of amazing because you're always the person that I like to talk to when I feel afraid because I feel you're. I, I, You're just really good at like the talk down, which is, I feel like it's the person who's really good at scanning the horizon and just saying like this, this, this is a danger. This is fine. Duck now. You'll be okay. It's like a whole, it's a whole Mm. thing you do. And it's kind of, it's kind of magic.
3: Oh, uh, see, I, I, you've told me this before, but I don't really, I've never thought about it because I just thought everybody does that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, here's something that happened to me, Kate. Here's an, a wonderful anecdote. Uh, no, because when when Eddie was born and I was traveling a ton, my son Eddie is now 53 years old. Uh, he's 15. <laughs> and um, every time I'd get on a plane, I would start to go into this mild panic. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, like, oh, this plane, like this weird, unreasonable, this plane's going to go down thing. And it had never happened to me, yeah. ever. And I was like, yeah. what? I had called Sarah, my wife, and I'd be like, what's going on? Yeah. Why am I afraid to get on this plane and sit here? And I wouldn't. So the way I got over it was I would start looking around at everyone on the plane. And then I would look at the, the attendants and I would look at the captain. And then I'd be like, all right, so they're not afraid. Uh, why, why would I have to be afraid? And then I would start clicking off the reasons why I wouldn't be afraid. And about three times into doing that, I was like, Oh, you're, you're, you've, you're fixed. You did it. You did it now. Please enjoy a movie and like 12 (laughs) glasses of wine. If we're going to the East coast. So, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. that makes sense. I, I think like love, love makes us terrified. The love that we have for others, the fragility, like, I've never had crazier dreams than when I was pregnant. It was always like I had the baby, but I left it in the basement by accident. And there were rats the size of ponies. And oh my god! Like I had like super weird, but they were all, they were all just kind of like love dreams. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to love this. I'm going to love this kid so much that I can't possibly manage how that's going to make me feel. But I I do kind of think right now with this, with this cultural moment, everyone's having sort of the opposite of your airplane moment, which is that they're looking at everybody else's faces and becoming more and more and more afraid. Yeah. I think though, your, uh, possibly unbelievably dumb fearlessness does, does have like, a. It has like a, an effect on the people who love you though, where it kind of acts like a little battery, like people who are feeling fearful, they just kind of like come close to you for a bit and they're like, okay, it just sort of, I think it, I've seen you do this with other people. I think it just kind of gives us who are maybe more fearful or, in just kind of more delicate circumstances. It just, it feels like a little bit of a shelter from the storm.
3: Hmm. I have not thought about that. I think they just, when they look at me and they look at my attitude, they're like, yeah, that's that macho asshole. (laughs) And that's, I
0: I was describing like a nice umbrella, but I'll, I think there's room, there's room, there's room for multiple metaphors.
3: I should be a coach of some sort. I should coach a team, uh, (laughs) a team of swordsmen, swords, (laughs) swordsers, excuse me. Not sword, Swords X? I don't know. Sure, anyway, uh, that's
0: inclusive.
3: That's great. Yeah, I swear to you, and I'm not trying to throw this back on you like so many people uh, do in these conversations because I, when uh, Kate, as you know, I cannot receive compliments. And believe me, <laughs> this has been a very difficult 28 minutes, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I do go like I would I when when you have called me and said this is what's happening, I'm like, <laughs> well that is shitty. Uh and I no. am not it's hard because I'm like that is difficult and uh uh and it's I it I I I can't relate, but I uh, I do I do I hate it when my friends are not happy. <laughs> See what I did there? That's what you call sticking the landing. Well, this has been delightful. You guys are great.
0: Even though you are never afraid, I'm still glad you're in my corner. Joel is someone I turn to, to reset the horizon of fear. How scared should I be right now? What if there's nothing I can do but be afraid? I thought I'd call someone I really admire to ask a final, hard question. What do you do if the pain is so real that it starts to take you apart? The person on the other end of the phone here is the lovely Beth Moore. Millions and millions of people have read her Bible studies or come to hear her speak. And if you follow her on Twitter, she is hysterical. But she's also an inspiration to me, so I thought I would ask her some of my hard stuff. Like, am I alone in this? Can fear really consume me? What should I do when the fear gets to be too much? Okay, here's me asking her a hard question. I'm sure you're seeing it everywhere there too, Is people are starting to lose everything and they're losing it so quickly.
2: Yes,
0: So they're losing jobs and they're losing um, what little cushion they had, or they're unable to be with that person they love and hold their hand right at the minute that it matters. And um, I remember I, like, I, I only have my limited experience of, of losing a lot quickly, but I, I started to feel really confused right away that that maybe because all these terrible things were happening, it started to make me feel a little worthless. Yes. And I'm wondering if maybe you have a word for people who the
4: worse things get, the more it's harder and harder to feel loved. One of the commonalities we have right now is that all of us, it differs in intensity, but all of us are feeling that same sense of have we been forgotten does he know yeah. does god know that we're here does he know yeah. and we we know that he does but that sense yeah. of i need to know for a fact that we are on the radar here because yeah. you are so right when we get to a place where we don't have the things that in our minds would have been what we would have turned to this is just yeah. common sense this when you turn to your loved ones you turn to your extended family and suddenly yeah. All this that we had access to, all that was our, this was our go-to, this was the plan, yeah. and now we're there, that isn't possible, and so here we are. And I, you know, I, 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 call, I don't know. Call me an optimist if if that's appropriate. But I'm also way too old to be very idealistic. But what <laughs> I do think is it's not until we, we are at times on our own with God that we begin to get a clue that He really is with us It's easy to think, Kate, that he's with someone else, so I need to be with them, be it my spiritual director, my pastor, my Bible study teacher, my community group leader, whoever I look to, maybe a friend that's just really deeply spiritual in our eyes, and we'll think he's with them, and so I need to be with with them so that I can be under that umbrella of uh, God's, God's presence. And I just, I think that sometimes I'm not selling aloneness. I don't, was. I, I, I am an extrovert. I keep seeing all the introverts going like, this is a beautiful time for the introverts. I'm going like, this is a nightmare for the extroverts. But, uh, but it is extremely important yeah. to know, to sit before God and know without anyone else in sight, I matter. You matter all by yourself. You matter. Yeah. You matter to Him. Yeah my sister said
0: something to me, um, when I was just in a, in a very alone place. And, um, and I was, I was worried that like, like that in the midst of all of the things coming undone, that like too much could come undone, you know, like like that, that everything would just unravel. And, And she said, um, you are loved you are loved you are loved you will not disappear you are here no and I I imagine like that's what God wants us to know like about like we we cannot be undone like we were just we were made out of God's
4: sheer well, love. Swear, we we can't be destroyed. W- what you were saying a moment ago that your sister said to you reminded me of something that Mary Beth Chapman told me. Stephen Curtis Chapman's wife, after their daughter Maria was killed, and you know, at, at five years old, and yeah. um, she said that they just fell and fell and fell and she just I just pictured it like off a cliff she said just free falling free falling free falling free falling free falling but she said somewhere at the at in the process of it, when we did land, we landed on solid ground. And I thought, Kate, it was the most beautiful picture because she did not deny the sense of just falling, feeling like there was nothing to grab onto in this, just this sense of this abyss of uh, aloneness and suffering. But she said, when... When the bottom came, it was solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: People are going to be, they're not going to just feel stuck. They're going to be stuck for the foreseeable future. Like what are some things people can do to just feel like they've
4: got a little more spiritual grounding under them? I cannot think of anything that has really tried to take control of me in my lifetime, more than fear. Mm. When I say it, it want, and so I'm just going to just kind of personalize it for me that it wanted me that if you think of it like, like a dragon, or you think of it like a, a, you know, something, something, a wolf, whatever it may be that you're picturing something that is coming to bring great harm to you. It has always wanted me. From that time, mm. I was a really, really uh, withdrawn little kid. And I, I still, I don't know if it had to do, I, I don't know enough about, can't remember enough of it to know, did I get that way because of early childhood sexual abuse or or was I mm. already sort of that way by temperament, because I'm so yeah. outgoing now that, yeah. that these are questions that I have. I, I've, I've had to know that I couldn't just get rid of it once and it was gone. It's been, yeah. it's been too big, too continuous a threat to me. And I have had to very deliberately deal with it. But for me to put my hand up toward it and say, and I have to deliberately, I mean, No. No, I know where this rabbit hole goes. And if, if it won't just, if I can't just, just end it with that. And a whole lot of days I can end it with that. Other days, man, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you, Kate, I'm pushing away my coffee. Because I'm looking for what is it feeding my anxiety. That's when I'm going to get off social media. I'm even going to pull back from people. Watch right now. I would say to any of our listeners, look around you. Who is just just feeding you fear. I mean, we'll yeah. look, we have relationships, people that we love that we just sometimes yeah. have to go, man, I am going to have to push back from their voice some because we've just got fear mongers in our lives that are yeah. going to just... I mean, talk us into it, we're trying our hardest to get um some command of our courage here and and they're just like tapping on it constantly and I'll, I'll, i I want to say one more thing about it. I love this image right here, and I do it this is on an oh this is i I think these thoughts probably several times weekly. And so if, yeah. if anybody listening is a visual learner like I am, try to picture this. You know, in, in some of the uh, older versions of the Gospels it was, that Jesus told them, take courage. Um, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, take courage. I, and I love that, not just have courage, but take yeah. courage. And I picture, Kate, over and yeah. over, I picture that his hands are out, that he's mm-hmm. going like, here, I'm, I'm holding it. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know if yeah, that helps anyone else, hold but they, yeah, yeah, standing yeah. There, holding it out to me, Beth here, I, it's mine. It's mine. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. give it. To, I've got all the courage you need. And so Beth, take it here. I've got it in the palms of my hand. Take it, take it from me, reach out and take yeah. it from me. And I don't know why. That helps me so much, but I try to picture he's right there. He's holding yeah. it out to you. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about it is it's the, the, the resource of it is, is, uh, endless. It's, it's, it's bottomless the well. And so if in 15 minutes, I'm still going like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still terrified. I know exactly where I can go back. And I can also, I know, and I know that you do too. And I just, I want them to, I also know who I can call and get to fight this battle with fear with me. And I just, man, I, I cannot say enough how we got to have some compadres that will help us yeah. buy and we help them. That's right. I always call it like um,
0: pushing the button. Like there's so there's certain friends that are just like on yes. call. And like, I had a friend 10 minutes ago text and say, can I push the button right now? And that's like emergency. Like yes. you get all yes. the like, I want to yes. know Absolutely. I push that button. And like you come May running. Day. And like, yes. that's, it's the yes. best feeling in the world to know, like we are not alone there. And it doesn't mean that we, I love that image of like, We can live alongside of our fear without having to deny its
4: presence, but just to know we have a God Uh, who uh, loves us. I've I've never been able to get it to just disintegrate. I am having to believe God to uh, get me through it. And I I, I think how I hope someone's taking that is that there is just a pushing through even with it. Even with it, with it totally on us, a pushing through that says there's something on the other side of this walk of faith through this thick fog of fear that is Mm going to be worth it.
0: You know, one of the things that I do when I'm really scared, like if I've got a scan coming up or... I, there's just like a, a terrifying reality. I can't control one of my, I guess, prayers about fear. I hadn't really thought of it was God, let, let me not miss this. Yes. Like, let me, let me not for the sake of fear, like miss this moment. And it's usually, it's usually a kid in pajamas or like a friend leaning over a table with like a story that I, I really do want to hear. Like, God in the midst of fear
4: like like just help me not miss this whatever this is going to be. I, I could not I could not agree with that more Kate. And this is this is the strange prize in it. And, and here's where we don't we don't have to to come to a place where we go it was worth it. I think that's just so sick that we get yeah. forced into a place where we think we have to go, well, it was worth yeah. it for this. Yeah results. Yeah. Well, are, yeah. are we going to tell We we can put someone in the position that they lost a child and we're going to get them because they're, they're, they're a person of faith. We want to get them to a place where they go, well, it was worth it. No, they're still no. going to say, I, I mean, what a sick thing to put someone yeah. in the position to do. Uh, no, we don't have to come to a place where, um, where we ever say it, that it was worth it, but we can come to a place where we can go, God made it matter. He made it matter. Oh, Beth, that, that's it. God made it matter. He made oh, it I love matter. that. Ugh, if I yeah. could come there where it didn't just not matter, that in that moment I was awake to someone sitting across from me that was also yeah in tremendous pain of of perhaps a different kind, if it made me, uh, my, my, my background of abuse is a perfect example. I could go back and I could relive my life all over again and ask the Lord to have removed it from me, that it would just have not been any part of it. That that the instability, my home went through all of those things, that all of those things were just removed. But the thing of, of it was, it, it made me awake to yeah. people and to and to their suffering and to their plight, into yeah. the yeah. the common, the the fragility yeah. yes. of being yeah. human. It yeah. the, the, what it gave me that's right meant yeah. that not that it was worth it, but that it yeah. it mattered.
0: Oh, that that's the perfect thing to say. You're killing me here. I love that. I love that. I love that more than I can say. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your tender heart and
4: for your powerful mind. I am so grateful for it. Well, I am so grateful for you, Kate.
0: I love when she says our pain may never have a purpose. It may not make any sense and it may never be worth it but God will make it matter.
1: Yep. That's it.
0: That was it for me. I can go home now. Look, I don't know when this is going to stop feeling so scary, but I am here to look into your gorgeous eyes and say, Hey, there are some things you can fix and some things you can't. And it's okay. That life isn't always better. We can find beauty and meaning and truth. But there's no cure to being human. So let's be friends on that journey. Let's be human together. I have met so many experts in chronic fear in this beautiful everything happens community caregivers, care receivers, soldiers, widows, people living with poverty, racism, mental illness, pain. If you've been living with chronic uncertainty, people would love to hear your wisdom right now. Is there any advice that we can try today? Find me online at Kate C. Bowler. I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, onwards together. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the generosity of the Reynolds Foundation. Huge thank you to my team, Jessica Ritchie, Keith Weston, Harriet Putman, and J.J. Dickinson. This is Everything Happens With
2: Me, Kate Bowler.